Amgen presents the perfect reason why you don't count your chickens before they're hatched. This is Industry Focus. Hi Fools, healthcare analyst Michael Douglas here today for your Wednesday healthcare edition of Industry Focus. And I'm on the phone with our, one of our healthcare contributors, Todd Campbell. Uh, now, uh, Todd, the topic today is just this, I think, for a lot of people, pretty surprising news out of uh, a, um, a uh, collaboration between Amgen and AstraZeneca on uh, the psoriasis drug uh, Brotolumab. This is, I'm try, you know, in preparation for this, Michael, I put on my Wayback hat, and I was trying to think of, <laughs> when have I seen this before? And honestly, I, I, I can't think of um, a high-profile drug like this uh, failing in such a spectacular fashion, uh, in such a, a surprising way. Um, this is very, um, it's very interesting, and it's a great reminder to investors that, until the FDA gives you the green light, um, don't bet on, um, on an approval, even if you have uh, solid phase three data in hand. I mean, you know, Amgen and AstraZeneca, they teamed up on this drug back, way back in 2012. They put a lot of time, effort, and money into studying this drug. Mm-hmm. You know, they've, they've studied it in thousands of patients, and they found... Um, in those studies that this drug was very effective at helping clear skin for psoriasis, people who are suffering from psoriasis. And this is a, a huge patient indication. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and, and, and multi-billion dollar uh, opportunity in that indication, not necessarily for this drug in particular, but the market as a whole. Um, and it's been a big area. I mean, um, autoimmune diseases have been a big area of growth in biotech and pharma. Yeah. I mean, we get seven and a half million people here in the U.S., that suffer from psoriasis. Um, they estimate there's 125 million people worldwide. So I mean, we're talking a lot of people. And, you know, it's a disease that, it, while it's not life-threatening, it is life-changing. You know, a study was done that showed that about 60% of people who suffer from it feel like their quality of life is really impacted by it. So, I mean, there is a significant need for therapies, and that's why you've got a host of blockbuster, billion-dollar blockbuster drugs that are used to treat it. I mean, you've got Avis Humera, you've got um, um, Enbrel that's used in some cases, uh-huh. you've got Johnson & Johnson Stellara. I mean, these are, there are a lot of drugs. And I think that f- because of the market opportunity, investors looked at this drug and they said, hey, this is a great opportunity, a great drug that Amgen can use to offset some of the risk it's going to endure or pain it'll endure from the patent losses it's facing. So this was one of the, I guess, the pillars that people were looking at and saying, oh, this will hold up or prop up sales in the face of any biosimilars that hadn't been coming to market to threaten its market share in these other drugs. Right. And, and, let's, and let's face it, Bertolumab, you know, the, the phase three data looked good. Uh, it was effective. Um, they didn't have... Um, <clears throat> They weren't reporting uh, massive safety issues, um, but you know, more recently, in it, earlier this week, essentially, or it was four days ago. Yeah, I guess technically that's this week. Um, you know, Amgen um, had a meeting with regulators and disclosed that they were walking away from it because um, there were issues with suicidal thoughts um, that would end up on the label, and that they thought would essentially make it an unmarketable drug. 
Yeah, the unofficial reports are that, that there were, you know, a handful of uh, patients who reported the suicidal thoughts, and, and unfortunately, sadly, there were a couple who had followed through on it. Right. Um, you know, it was a big trial, thousands of patients, but even a handful is enough to make people say, "Whoa, this this is uh, this this could be a big problem." And you know, I, I think it's. Um, in that respect, it's good that Amgen is walking away. I think that's the right decision right now. I mean, at some point, you have to say, you know, these are sunk costs. We put a lot of time effort into developing this drug. But, you know, we have other irons in the fire that, you know, now that we know all of these other, you know, hurdles that are going to be associated with trying to market, uh, the market, I can't say it, Brodolimab, uh, um, you know, now that we get to that point, you know, why don't we just shelve that and we're going to focus on Repatha, this cholesterol-busting drug, and we'll focus on biosimilars yeah. um, instead. You know, I, I think it's, it also, you know, it really kind of uh, changes the dynamic for the market itself as well because, you know, you go from Johnson & Johnson Stellara being threatened by these new drugs um, to now it's saying, you know, hmm, you know, maybe Stellara is not going to see much of its market share fall away. You know, last May, uh, Amgen and AstraZeneca had said, hey, our drug works really well. And then uh, in November, they said, hey, it even works better than Stellara. Right. So I think a lot of people were saying, wow, Stellara's got $2 billion in the sales. I mean, yeah, um, do, do the math there, right? <laughs> yeah. So, so, you know, this this might be, you know, a real big opportunity. Um for Johnson, now that it's not going to have to face against this competition, and it, it may also help right. support um, cell genes of Tesla, which is, got approval for the indication last fall, um, and is off to a, a start. If you measure it from prescription volume, that, that's faster than the start that Stellara had had. Right. Um, you know, and it, it, granted, it's, it did about sixty million in sales last quarter. Uh, its first full quarter since getting the the indication uh, approval for that indication. Uh, but that was up from $47 million the prior quarter. So, I mean, you know, and Celgene thinks this is a, uh, a billion-dollar drug. So this is just one less uh, competitor that Johnson and Celgene are going to have to outmaneuver. Yeah, and, and this is also, I mean, this is, I think you're right that, you know, Amgen made the right call because when you have an unmarketable label um, with just these really nasty side effects, especially for something that at the end of the day, you know, is as you pointed out, life changing. Not necessarily um, as dangerous as some other conditions could be, um, and so you're just going to have folks who are a lot less uh, doctors going to be a lot less likely to prescribe something with really heavy, uh, nasty side effects when there are other drugs that can work, and when it's not. Um, not cancer. Do you know what I mean? Not like not something really like just truly uh, immediately life threatening. Right. You're not going to take. Right. You're not going to. As a doctor, you're not going to feel comfortable prescribing a drug that may be life ending um, for a disease that is um, that's not fatal. Right. Um, so yeah, I think that this is. It became an unmarketable drug. Um, Amgen's making the right decision, not pursuing it. I, I'm not going to lie, though. I'm a little disappointed in Amgen and AstraZeneca. The fact that it, you know, it, it's come out the way it has come out right. um, makes me wonder. You know, hey, what did people know, and when did they know it? And the fact that Amgen released the the news that it's not going to, you know, participate in developing the drug anymore on a Friday right before Memorial Day kind of makes you wonder if they were hoping just to, to slide it in there. Um, 
but you know, I think ultimately it's the right decision. You know, I, you and I were talking before the show. I, I don't know. I don't think AstraZeneca is going to be able to do much with this drug either. Amgen basically has walked away from the deal, right. uh, leaving it in AstraZeneca's hands. So AstraZeneca theoretically could do whatever it wants with it. Um, it'll be interesting to see what they officially decide to do with it. Um, but Amgen's a big company. They've got a lot of experience in dealing with, with drugs, labels, and you know, commercializing um, compounds. So, right. I mean, if they're saying, hey, you know what, this, this isn't worth it to us, um, then AstraZeneca probably will say that too. Um, it, you know, I, the way that the deal was written between the two companies when they did their collaboration was that you know, they would share the costs um, AstraZeneca paid um, a little bit of money. Um, they'd share the cost uh, associated um, with developing it, and then you know Amgen would collect some royalties on sales, and then they'd split the profit, any any eventual profit tied to the drug. Um, you know that now I suppose since this was the most advanced drug in that collaboration, uh, it kind of casts some doubt on whether or not that collaboration will continue in any form and what shape, if it does continue, uh, what that will look like. Um, but without a doubt, this basically shifts the discussion now for Amgen to, you know, Repath and um, the biosimilars uh, instead because, you know, they're going to have to rely a lot more heavily on that right. um, over the coming years to, to offset any threats to, you know, their drugs, Nupagen and Nulasta right. and Epogen that well, could face off against biosimilars. Which, you know, at the end of the day, you know, it's not like it's not like losing one drug sinks Amgen or AstraZeneca. I mean, Amgen's a big biotech. AstraZeneca is a big pharma. But... Given that you do have both companies struggling with the patent cliff, and you and you have both companies sort of at one point highlighting this drug as sort of one of one of their key um, key opportunities, it is a blow, and it's a big blow. And I think um, you know with AstraZeneca, a lot of the attention uh, now turns to some of those really early stage uh, cancer drugs that they're looking at. Um, and as you point out with Amgen, it's it's biosimilars um, and the uh, PCSK9 inhibitor. Yeah, and that means that there's a lot of question marks for investors. I mean, there's probably a lot of investors who are going, "Okay, where, what do I do now?" Yeah. Okay, you know, what does this really mean? So, it, so, it, so, if you're if you're in that position, Todd, what do you do? I, I sit on my hands. Basically, this means that there's there's less clarity than there was last week, and you need to see how this shakes out. Um, I feel pretty good about the biosimilar opportunity for Amgen. I think Repatha could be a multi-billion-dollar blockbuster if it wins approval. Right. Um, which, um, which, if, if, if this signifies anything, if this reminds anyone of anything, it is that the approval is not guaranteed. No, even no, even with mean, what looks like good phase three data. Yeah, even when you have, even when a company reports good phase three data, do not count those chickens. Yeah. Um, without a doubt. So I think that you need to wait um, and see a little bit. If shares in Amgen retreated significantly from here, um, then I might be willing to consider picking it up. If you own it already, I wouldn't sell it on this news. Like you said, this isn't going to sink Amgen. When push comes to shove, it probably you know reduces their long-term forward forecast by what a half a billion dollars. You know, is maybe going to be a billion-dollar drug. Yeah. Um, so you know, this that's that's not at the end of the day, that's not really going to. Um, be a, a death blow, if you will, to Amgen. So if you're currently in it, probably can just sit tight for the long haul. Um, if you're considering it, just keep it on the watch list. 
Yeah, I, 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 I kind of tend to be the same way. Um, you know, I, I, I don't find very many of the big farmers attractive, and AstraZeneca kind of, kind of lower on that list as it is. And among the four big biotechs, me personally, Amgen's my least favorite, um, just because the others have, I think, more clearer, clearer growth opportunities. With Amgen, um, it's a little bit less defined right now. Uh, that isn't to say that either of these are necessarily bad stocks. They're just not my personal, you know, favorites. Then, you know, if I weren't overallocated in healthcare, which I am, <laughs> then uh, then then they wouldn't. They still wouldn't be, you know, very high on my watch list. But I think it's always important for folks to keep a pretty broad watch list because you never know when suddenly uh, stocks value proposition is going to look a lot better for you. So that's something to keep an eye out for. But yeah, I, I'm, I'm kind of with you. I, you know, to me, the, this is important, but it's not necessarily. Um, investment thesis changing uh, for me, and for me, these were both kind of kind of watchless stocks, regardless. Um, yeah, I think that all eyes basically now should shift shift to Repatha. I mean, that's that's going to be the, that's the cholesterol busting drug that they're working on. It's a PCK9 inhibitor. Um, it could eventually end up being used alongside statins in a very large patient pool. Um, it'll be very intriguing to see how that plays out. But I think that other than it being intriguing and something to keep an eye on, um, there's no there's no harm in watching. Um, yeah. <laughs> but in, in waiting for a little clarity. Yeah. Watching is free, right? Exactly. <laughs> All right, cool. Well, Todd, thanks for your take as always. Uh, folks, um, as as we always want to mention on this show, here, here at The Motley Fool, we believe in doing your own due diligence on stocks. And so never, ever, ever buy or sell or do anything with a stock based just on what you hear. Always do your own due diligence. And remember that uh, folks on the show and The Motley Fool um, may own shares uh, or options on stocks that we mention, um, and that The Motley Fool uh, may have active uh, recommendations on stocks that we mentioned. So always just keep that in mind. Do your own due diligence. Um, Check back to fool.com and, of course, the Industry Focus podcast for all of your investing needs, healthcare and otherwise. Thanks much. For The Motley Fool, I'm Michael Douglas. And Fool on.